The U.S. Supreme Court reinstates the Biden administration's immigration enforcement guidelines. In an eight-to-one ruling on Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court decided that Texans, that Texas and Louisiana lacked standing to challenge the federal government's guidelines dictating which unauthorized immigrants should be prioritized for arrest and deportation. Republican, Republican leaders in Texas and Louisiana challenged the policy in federal court last summer, arguing that it limited ICE agents from fully enforcing immigration laws. The policy represents a departure from former President Donald Trump's hardline approach, which encouraged arrests of anyone in the U.S. without authorization. The guidelines issued in a 2021 memo from the Biden administration instructed immigration and customs enforcement to prioritize arrests of immigrants with serious criminal records, were threats to national security, or had recently entered the country illegally. Given limited and strained government resources, the Biden administration has emphasized that it wants to be intentional about who is detained and deported. The Supreme Court's ruling is a victory for the Biden administration, which has been trying to shift the focus of immigration enforcement to prioritizing the arrest of those who pose the most significant risk to national security or public safety. And I want to go back to my panel with this. And uh, Matt, I want to start with you because you are in Texas and Texas was one of the states involved in this lawsuit, plaintiffs in this lawsuit. Uh, we see a distinction between the Biden administration and the Trump administration. We see under the Trump administration, a demonization of uh, of undocumented immigrants and sometimes immigrants in general, especially those coming from African nations. And we see a change in the prioritization of who they focus on deporting. Uh, so what is your take as a, as a Texan? What, what is your take on uh, this U.S. Supreme Court decision? So first, you know, I'm, I don't have much confidence, unfortunately, these days in the Supreme Court and some of the decisions that they're making. But this one, I'm very happy that they made this decision. And I think the word choice that you made there was particularly astute, demonization, because that's really yes. what we see as it relates to uh, immigration. And that is really kind of part and parcel with a larger Republican policy that you see taking shape in Texas and in other states uh, around the country, where they are trying to demonize the idea that law enforcement and prosecutors are not prosecuting every single crime, and somehow that is tantamount to weak public safety, right? The reality is ICE has 6,000 agents. Uh, it sounds like a lot of people, but this country has 330-plus million people in it. 6,000 agents right. have a finite body of resources, and it's just a waste for them to be trying to deport every single person who's undocumented. And beyond that, um, the reality is the elephant in the room is that in Texas and in a lot of southern states and a lot of places around the country, people don't really have issues with immigration if that keeps the cost of their food on their table lower, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's just the reality of it, right? We all, we, people act like they really have this issue with immigrants, particularly here in Texas. I've known 
incredibly conservative people who tell, I don't, I don't agree with, with political immigration, but, you know, when I got to build a fence, you know who I'm going to hire. <laughs> and that's the kind of dishonesty that we see as it relates to immigration policy. So I'm glad that the Supreme Court not only knocked it down, but that the Supreme Court was very strong, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, in his opinion, in saying, look, First, the executive branch is the one who has the right to decide these rules, essentially. So this is a constitutional question, right? Does the federal judiciary determine this, or does the uh, executive branch? And they said pretty unequivocally, the executive branch does. And on top of that, they also said there's no precedent for us basically curtailing the executive branch's authority in this context. And that's important, because what he said in his opinion is exactly what would have happened. Had they ruled the other way, you would have seen Republicans start attacking other things, saying, well, Biden doesn't have the power to do that, so he doesn't have the power to do this. He can't institute rules in this way. He can't institute rules through this bureau. And before you know right. it, the administration is mired in litigation where everything that they try to do is you know, fought. And it's really for a political point. It's not because there's really any truth behind it. It's because the talking point is public safety, crime. These immigrants are coming to steal your women and children and all of your possessions, right? So I'm glad that they made this decision. And particularly in Texas, we have that dishonesty. And in the South, that dishonesty about um, immigrants and, and the truth of the larger part of the undocumented um, population, which is wholly not criminal and not out here committing, you know, heinous crimes. So this is good because right. this allows ICE to prioritize those um, that we know to be violent. And the last addendum to that is that's exactly the policy that we see them attacking prosecutors on here. The idea that prosecutors are not enforcing every single case. And what prosecutors are saying is, I have a finite body of resources. Wouldn't you rather be keep the murderer off the street as opposed to this petty criminal? And this is the same principle, right? Go after the bad people. Don't go after the people who are undocumented purely because they're undocumented. So I think this is helpful, and I think this uh, puts us right in the right direction. Okay, excellent. Th thank you, Matt. And as I've said here on this show before, all those who uh, are against undocumented immigration, uh, the best thing that you could do is don't eat food that you did not grow yourself if you want to fight undocumented immigration. So, so Kelly, w what are your thoughts on that? You're 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 in Washington D.C. and um, uh, w what are your thoughts on this? Well, I just find it, just from a legal perspective, very interesting as to their rationale regarding this, right? Because for the past, since this court has been, you know, mostly conservative, we've been seeing this, this uh, tendency for states to have more rights, per se. Like, we saw that in Dobbs. We saw that with uh, the Voting Rights Act case, not right. this rights. one that just passed this this session, but the previous one. So it, it's interesting to me what exactly they want the federal government to oversee and what they want the states to to keep or 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 to take, rather. Um, like, what exactly are states' rights? What exactly are federal rights? And it appears that if the federal side of things, if it already exists within the federal side, then they kind of don't want to mess with it and they don't necessarily want to rock those waters. But if the states want to uh, do something uh, such as, you know, like with the abortion case and the like, they'll... It just feels more politicized to me. I don't I don't know exactly mm -hmm. how how to describe it. Like the the ruling makes sense, even though it's eight to one. I, I find that fascinating. But right. it 
I, I, I want to figure out how I, why I feel like it's a little hypocritical at the same time. <laughs> okay. All like, right. it's hard and, for me to describe at the moment, but it's like, I'm, I'm looking at what he said, what Kavanaugh said. He's saying, if the, if the court greenlighted this suit, we could anticipate complaints in future years about alleged executive branch under enforcement, and, right. et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, well, okay. Maybe it's just because it's a law enforcement issue and they're, you know, pro getting bad guys off the street. I feel like if mm -hmm. this was another situation that did not that did not involve crime in some way, they would have ruled another way. Right, right. Well, it, it may have something to do with the fact that three three of these justices were were nominated by Donald Trump and uh, they came from lists from the Federalist Society and the Heritage Foundation. That may have something to do. I don't know. But anyway, um, what I find interesting is that when Trump was running, there was all this talk about deporting 11 million undocumented immigrants. And everybody, all the Republicans knew that wasn't going to happen. Okay, first, if you want to start undocumenting, uh, if you want to start deporting undocumented immigrants, start uh, with the ones that work at Donald Trump's resorts and golf clubs. Okay, you can start there, number one. Number two, uh, it is um, logistically uh, and it's logistically uh, impossible to deport 11 million. One, could be, because when you try to deport them, you're responsible for whatever happens to them. They're in your care. They're in your custody, okay? Uh, two, the economy will collapse if you try to do that. And what's happening now down in Florida with the law that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis recently uh, uh, signed in the law, and they're trying to crack down on undocumented immigrants, and then the farmers are saying, we can't find people to, to pick the fruit and, and pick the vegetables and things like this. They thought it was going to be this rush of uh, Floridians, I guess, who are white Floridians or something like that, who are going to apply for these jobs, and they're not doing it. Okay? And the undocumented immigrants there, or, or immigrants in general, they're going to other states and getting jobs there, okay, in, in, uh, in agriculture. So uh, one thing that I think is really important, they talked about utilizing the 6,000 ICE agents and utilizing them properly and focusing on the, the most uh, heinous actors, the, uh, the, uh, those who are murderers, things like that. Um, what, do you, what do you take away from this in the, uh, how prudent even though this is, even though they may strike down affirmative action, but how prudent uh, this uh, decision was when it looked at the uh, utilizing the, the resources properly. Uh, I'll go to Matt with this. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad you asked because I think this really is less a question of prudence and more a question of purview. Who has the purview to decide the prudent way to approach it? And here, it's clearly in the executive branch. And the reason I think that's important is because our Constitution has separations in it so that certain uh, branches have certain spheres of influence, right? And the moment okay. you start allowing other branches to usurp that, then the way the system of government is set up is no longer functioning properly. And I do think it is prudent. I think it's prudent, especially having been a prosecutor, um, hearing this you know, decried all over the state of Texas is law enforcement does not have unlimited resources. And let's keep it 100% real. They're not going to look for Western Europeans. They're not going to look for Brits. Right. They're not going to look for Australians. They're going to look for Guatemalans and people from Honduras, right, and Ecuador. They're not going to look for Western Europeans. And if they were, what would happen? 
right, then now would be a question of, well, we don't want to have the same enforcement. We want to make sure that the, the Biden administration is prudent and is picking out people who are really dangerous, because this is, one, a dog whistle for racism, number one, right? right. And number two, this gives the, the administration the purview to decide the appropriate way to use those resources. As much as we talk about government waste and all these other things, it's absurd to hear this idea that you want law enforcement to pursue every single particular offense or potential offense when they've only got 6,000 um, agents. So I think this gives the Biden administration the latitude to do what makes sense. And that is what the Constitution requires. And unfortunately, we don't see the Supreme Court towing that line in every case, but I'm glad that they did here, because I think that that's what the law and that's what our system of government supports. All right. Well, we're going to leave it right there. And Roland Martin, Roland Martin and Filter will be right back after this break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, President Biden is going to sign an executive order protecting birth control access. You're watching the Black Star Network. This is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Class number one uh, starts up Saturday. Uh, June 24th, 2023. Register right now. Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. So when you register, when you visit our website, you scroll down the page, you'll see the information for our Sunday night radio show, the African History Network show, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. And we broadcast on our social media platforms. You see our PayPal cash app information here as well. And then a uh, 12-week online course. So we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. This class is on sale $80, regularly $130. You can register for the full 12-week online course here. Uh, when you click on that link, it takes you uh, to the next page. And uh, on the next page, just uh, click on uh, Enroll. Right here, the purple button, Enroll. As soon as you register, you can start watching uh, the content, okay? And we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. Uh, you can go back and watch this anytime. A year from now, two years from now, you can go back and watch the entire class. You don't have to uh, be in class live or don't take attendance, anything like that. We have a live text chat also uh, in class. You can see me. I can't see you. We have a live text chat so you can ask questions uh, in class as well, okay? And we have a bundle pack uh, where you get this class and the second class that I teach um, black resistance movements from the Haitian Revolution, U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. I teach that class on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. And that class, we deal with so much history. We deal with that crucial period of time leading up to the Civil War uh, and after slavery ends in the Reconstruction Era, Jim Crow Era. Um, great Migration, World War One, World War II, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement, to understand what happened to us after slavery ended, what were the laws and policies put in place uh, to put us uh, where we are, to bring us to where we are today, to understand where we need to go from here. So your understanding of politics, and politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, their adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. Your understanding of politics is directly related to your understanding of history. So the more you understand history, the better you understand politics, the better we understand how all these policies impact us and how to um, 
engage in politics. And this is why you hear me say we have to stop telling African-Americans to exercise your right to vote. You don't vote for exercise. If you want to exercise, you go to the gym and work out. You vote for power. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power, and resources, and the writing of laws, statutes, ordinances, amendments, and treaties, the adoption, interpretation, and enforcement. So we have to understand history, economics, law, and politics to be able to put together agendas, to be able to uh, organize and force our agenda and get policies put in place that are beneficial to African-Americans and what's good for African-Americans or good for America in general. All right. So, um, Visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, you can register for this class. Uh, class number one is uh, Saturday, June 24th. Class number two is Saturday, uh, July 1st. Class number three is, is Saturday, July 8th. And this is uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We have the uh, link for the class and the thread of the broadcast. You can register right now. We have bonus content already uploaded that you can start watching and you'll also get five of uh, my lectures free included uh, with the registration of this course that will be in the video library so you can stream uh, five of my lectures also. Uh, if you want to support the African History Network and if you uh, also if you want to pay through Cash App you can do so right through our website right on the home page of our website our Cash App information is there. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App or through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And this is our um, Cash App account. And we have the link on the homepage of our website because uh, there's some fake uh, African History Network Cash App accounts out there. And uh, I'm still trying to get them shut down. So when you scroll down our website, we have our Cash App information. Click right here and it takes you to our Cash App link. Uh, is dollar sign the AHN show S H O W, and when you go to it, it will say Michael. Uh, also, so we have that uh, there, and our PayPal information is here as well. Uh, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. All right, so we'll hope to see you in class uh, this Saturday. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you next time. Peace.